Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. The one thing that we can promise is that our conversation will hopefully be less than fascinating so that you can just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me for the first time is our social media manager, Amy Dyson, all the way from Newbury, Berkshire, in the UK. Welcome, Amy. Hi. Amy, did I get that right, where you're from? Because I know yeah. that I make... Okay, yeah. great. I know that I often get uh, get place names incorrect, and I don't want to do that, neither to yeah. yourself no, or the place fine. you're from. So, yeah. <clears throat> so thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. And we kind of spoke a moment before and I was asking you about if it if you have any snow there and you were explaining that you didn't have snow since when? The last uh, time it so snowed. we had um, a lot of snow in, I think it was March 2018. Um, so I was at university um, and I think university might have even been shut because um, my university was in the middle of quite a rural area so some of the lecturers couldn't actually get into the uni so it got shut for a few days. And what did you do during that time? Did you enjoy the the snowfall at all? Uh, Yeah a few of my friends had uh, snowball fights Um, but as much as I like the snow I get very cold so I just enjoyed it from inside. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. You know when it comes to snow to really enjoy it you need all the accoutrements and all the all the clothing that make it less cold when you're out there to make make yourself comfortable. So you need a good a good set of gloves and a good toque. Is that what you call it? We call it a toque here. I'm sure you've heard me talk about toques before. I, I don't know what a toque is. Okay, so bear with me, Amy. Let's go on this toque journey for a moment. So what do you call the winter hat that sometimes have a, has a pom-pom on it? It's like a knitted cap um, or hat i guess we'd call it a hat or a bobble hat um, a bubble hat a bobble hat so like a okay. bubble being okay. the um the pom-pom the pom-pom in the u.s they'll often call it a beanie yeah but we don't call it a beanie because for us a beanie is you know it's kind of like a little tiny <laughs> cap that you put on the top of your head 
Yeah. Almost like a yarmulke would be, it's kind of in that vein for us, a beanie, what a beanie is. Well, a toque is, of course, Canada is a country that has a strong winter climate with a lot of snow. And so the toque is what we call that bobble hat, usually without the pom-pom, but Mm -hmm. usually people know the hat with the pom-pom. So if you imagine it without the pom-pom, and it's a knit hat that you wear on your head and it comes the name comes from a town in Quebec called Touk or whose name is Touk getting back to place names and so in Canada we call that specifically the winter knitted cap or hat that you wear a Touk so all of us in Canada will say Touk and we know exactly what it is we don't have to explain you know the knitted hat the a bobble hat or you know what kind of beanie we're about to wear yeah oh that's interesting i've yeah, yeah i've not heard that name before do you have a toque um i do but i don't really i prefer either to just have um like a woolly or like um fluffy hood or um some i have a hat that has some bits that come down by my ears i like that one sure Sure. You just haven't found the right toque yet, Amy. Yeah, maybe that's it. (laughs) Okay, you were mentioning that the snowfall happened around your university or when you were at university. I'd love to talk about dissertation writing and in particular what you wrote as your dissertation at university. Yeah, so I finished university uh, this summer um, from Canterbury Christchurch um, in Canterbury in Kent. And I wrote my dissertation on, uh, the title was Form and the Feminist Text. And then it had a bit of a longer um, sort of subtitle after Oh, we need, we need the subtitle for sure. <laughs> um, I know, for example, my book I wrote, I don't know why I chose the world's longest title, 25 Things I Wish I Knew Before I Started My Podcast. I could have just done 25 podcasting tips, made everyone's life easier. But I decided to go down the long title road. So tell us the title, the complete title of your dissertation. Uh, So my complete title was Form and the Feminist Text, Writing Social Change in Literary Text from the Late 19th Century to the Present Day. Oh, wow. That sounds sounds like a lot of work, your dissertation. Yeah. um, I got quite lucky because um, my dissertation was only 6,000 words, whereas some people have seven, eight, nine, ten thousand. Um so it wasn't too many. And what was tell me about something you discovered in writing your dissertation that you thought was very interesting or fascinating. Um so I had a section on um how the attitudes towards women and mental health had changed um in recent years, looking at like the yellow wallpaper, the bell jar, um and texts from periods when uh, mental health was really taboo, especially with uh, women. So that was really interesting. Well, fascinating. And for anyone listening who might be like, like myself, who are like, what is the difference between a dissertation and just an essay that one hands in at university? Yeah. So, um, so for my degree, I did creative and professional writing. Um, So most of my essays as such weren't actually essays but were instead creative pieces Um, so this was 
one of the first essays I'd done since um, I finished my A-levels um, before I went to university. Um, whereas all of my peers did creative work. So they wrote like part of a play or the start of a novel. Um, so I took a bit of a leap in doing an essay because I hadn't really written many essays um, before that. But the ones I had done were about 2,000 words um, and were very much like one, an introduction and then a few points and then a conclusion. Whereas my dissertation I had, I separated it into five subsections. Um, so one of them was looking at um, how the attitudes between mental health, about mental health have changed um, and then some other sections on some other bits. Um, so the way I structured it, I did basically five small essays that were about a thousand words each which made it a lot more manageable for me um instead of thinking I have six thousand words to do what what am I going to write about <laughs> almost like chapters in a book I would say yeah yeah definitely um it meant that I also didn't have to go into too much depth for each uh, topic um because I only had about a thousand words to play with each time I see and who is an essayist that you enjoy reading? Oh, I don't, I, I don't know really. Um, in writing my dissertation, I found some interesting uh, journal articles online. Um, some of them just written by students. Uh, some of them written and published in books. Um, I can't really remember any specific ones. Uh, there was one about, I think it was called. Uh, it was about uh, gender inequality in uh, 1984 and okay. about how Orwell presents his female characters and stuff. And that was quite an interesting piece to look at and inspired some of my own thinking. So let me ask you this. Beyond writing the dissertation, are you more are you the type of person who prefers to read uh, books, short stories or essays or all three? Um, I do like to write essays um okay I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan of reading them uh, as a sort of pastime um I like to read books um but at the minute I'm actually uh reading uh, a non-fiction book um which I guess has links to sort of being a sort of essay as it's not got the typical structure of a fiction book um and I have read quite a lot of non-fiction this year which has been really interesting What's the book you're currently reading and do you recommend it? Um, it's called Educated by Tara Westover. And yeah, I really would. It's really, really interesting. Um, her life was quite sort of different and unique. And the way she writes it is really interesting in that she doesn't, she accepts her difference without, because um, her parents brought her up in a way that like isn't sort of what people would class as normal, but she writes it in a way that she doesn't resent her parents, but is just like, this is what I've learned from being my own person since leaving my parents, which is really interesting. Yeah, you, you mentioned that you are a fan of writing essays. Yeah. Uh, tell us what approach you use or what approach you would tell someone who is going to approach writing an essay um, that is helpful for you. Yeah, so um, one of the tips I've always been given uh, is to write the introduction last, um, just so that you can be really clear on what you're going to say, because I've had essays where I've 
opened it saying this is what I'm going to discuss and then I've discussed something completely different and it just doesn't fit what I've said. Um, I think definitely breaking it down and sort of subheading and then bullet pointing. I like to I like to bullet point. Um, I normally have uh, some bullet points for that and then a list of books that I should reference um, and maybe ones that I haven't read yet and maybe ones I have read um, just to include some sort of secondary material. That's fascinating. I love that tip of starting. One could even write their introduction just to get into the piece if they find that writing the introduction helps them get into writing. But to rewrite or re-examine your introduction once you've completed it, I think is a brilliant tip. Yeah, I think that I found that with my dissertation too, because um, what I wanted to argue in the first instance wasn't what I ended up arguing. Um, And when I spoke to my supervisor who helped me with my dissertation, she said, like, you need to edit it because you really need to hone in what it is that you're discussing. Um, And then obviously linking the conclusion back to the introduction, just saying this is what I've found from my research. What's the most satisfying thing about essay writing for you? Um, I think sometimes when I go to write things, uh, I'm not quite sure what I want to say. So I think once you hit that point of, okay, that the, this is the argument that I'm taking, um, I think it's quite, for me, it's quite a good way to figure out how I actually feel about things um, because a lot of essays I've done at school and at uni um they like you to argue both sides of it so um yeah so you have to argue like for and against um and it's always interesting for me to find out which side I actually fall on especially if I thought I was really for the argument and then there's a few bits of against that are actually like resonate with me I see have you has your mind ever been changed from when you initially started writing an essay to completing that essay and if so what happened? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I know that I wrote an essay um, at A level for my media coursework um, about uh, the presentation of females in romantic comedies, um, and I think from that I learned that there are some issues with some of the films that I looked at, but I also really enjoy the films, um, and I think I can enjoy them while also acknowledging that there are issues. Um, So I think that's been something that's quite interesting and linking that to my dissertation, again, with some of the pieces that have dealt with um, sort of issues of the time. um, I've, again, really enjoyed reading about it. And I think that although um, books such as like The Bell Jar, obviously um, they display a very worrying Uh, belief about mental health and stuff but it's also interesting to have that sort of historical reference to look at um as someone that isn't living in that time with those issues sure so yeah i think that yeah of course we here at the insomnia project really appreciate everyone who um works in mental health and who seeks out mental health professionals to help them with any issues that they're dealing with including myself, I've certainly leaned on that kind of help. And we encourage you to do so should you feel you need that. Amy, let me ask you this. So going from essays to 
what your role is here at the Insomnia Project, which is managing the social media. One could say that a tweet on Twitter is almost like writing the miniest of essays. What's your approach to tweet writing or to writing for Twitter? Oh, that's a that's an interesting question, actually. Um, linking Every that once back... in a while, I come up with one, you know, Amy? <laughs> <laughs> um, linking that back to um, something I did in my degree, actually, we sure. had to do um, some flash fiction and hint fiction. And I think hint fiction is 15 words or less. So you have to tell a story in 15 words or less. Um, and Twitter was quite good for that to um, obviously you're limited with the words that you can use. Um, so it's interesting to try and tell a whole story in 15 words. Um, but yeah, I think with Twitter, um, the way I've been using it has definitely been to try and engage with people and especially uh, tweeting as the Insomnia Project. Um, definitely to be tweeting sort of as a person and not as a company that doesn't sort of resonate with its listeners and followers. Um, so just trying to have that personal touch and get people to realise there's actually a person behind the the social media of it. Um, and yeah, just engaging with them. Now, since we're on this topic, what would you like our listeners to know about our social media and how they can engage with us or things you'd like to see from them for anyone who's kind of like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that or I don't know if it falls on deaf ears or... I think the thing that a lot of people think, I don't know if my voice or my opinion matters. Yeah, definitely. So um, I can completely understand those sort of uh, worries. And I've had it before when I've, um, well, even when I reached out to you and said about the social media, I was a bit nervous and I was like, I don't even know if he's going to like care that I've messaged. Um, But no, I think if people are thinking of like responding to tweets or just, um, reaching out to us um, on their own. Um, definitely, we really like are interested in what you have to say, whether it's your favourite episode, something you want to hear, like uh, an issue with an episode. Like if, um, I know, for example, in the past, um, people have given more information about something that you've mentioned. Um, so I think the listeners are definitely more valuable than most of them probably realise they are. Um, and, yeah, personally, I, I want to know what what episodes people enjoy. Um, obviously, coming from the UK, um, most of the ones that I've enjoyed most have been things linked to the UK, um, which is always interesting. Or when I make a grave mistake, when I'm talking about things in the UK, I apologize for that always, even if I'm aware or I'm unaware that I'm making such a silly, silly error. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's always nice when people um, do engage and ask questions about um, things that have been said, because I think it really shows that, um, like, again, they are actual people as opposed to just being sort of numbers or listeners. Um Again, they're real people, so it, it's nice to know their opinion. Um, but yeah, I think it would be good to have the people to engage more if they want to, just so that um, we can really help the Insomnia Project to become more engaged with its followers and to have more, for the followers themselves, to have more influence over 
like the topics that get discussed and that sort of thing. Most definitely, no matter where you are in the world, um, reach out to us on social media. Did you see the post about the uh, forced rhubarb, rhubarb from Yorkshire? Uh, yeah, I wasn't really sure what that was about. Um, I'm not a massive fan of rhubarb. Um, but yeah, what was what was that? Okay, so one of our listeners had oh. mentioned, like, are you aware of the Yorkshire forced rhubarb? And I am a big fan of rhubarb. And I'm certain that there's an episode where I talk about rhubarb. And what's interesting, Amy, is that sometimes people will send tweets or social media messages based on episodes that we recorded long ago. So I have to rack my brain and think, okay, yeah, we did do an episode about the glue that's used on stamps or whatever whatever the topic may be, right? I'm assuming that this was brought to my attention because the listener knows I love rhubarb. And I don't know how you cannot love rhubarb coming from a country that, you know, has probably the best rhubarb recipes ever. But it's talking about this rhubarb in Yorkshire that they grow out of season and they force the stalks to grow. And so you can get rhubarb, you know, most of the year. And I did see a program on it. And I think there is one in Canada that also does it that I, I recently looked up in Quebec. So now my mission is to get myself some forced rhubarb out of season. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Um, I think it's interesting what you say about um, people picking up things from previous episodes, because I think, again, engaging with listeners, it is really interesting when people bring up episodes that you might have even forgotten ever happened. Um, so it's quite nice to be reminded of the episodes that you have done in the past. Um, and I don't think they're ever irrelevant to mention. Like if someone is bringing up an episode from uh, season one, I don't think they should ever think, oh, but it aired years ago. So it's not relevant anymore because they're always relevant. I, I certainly hope so. Relevant in the sense of if it helps you to fall asleep or to relax, then it's serving its purpose. At least that's what I always I always go for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm personally working my way back from the beginning. Um, I'm on about episode 103, I think, at the minute um, from the first series. So, yeah, you know, I'm so, working my way so, back through. It's so fascinating, Amy, like knowing now what I wish I knew then, our first season was so many episodes. We didn't know how a season should be laid out. Now I try to do 26 episodes, although this season has been longer uh, just because by request of people who, who wanted extra seasons during this time. But um, it's always fascinating how my first season is like 137 episodes. It's like, where did that number come from? Um, do you think that's one of the things that has helped you most to learn about the um sort of how long to have it well because it it became this really impossible task for us to record we were recording so much and we're like when does this end like how do we know when to end and at that time there were podcasts but it wasn't as the landscape wasn't as plentiful as it is today so we were trying to figure out how do you figure out your seasons? And then we sat down and we're like, well, our episodes are generally 26 minutes long. So let's make an, a season, 26 episodes, 
And what we didn't realize is you could have multiple seasons in a year. So we thought, okay, 26 episodes, one a week, that's not a full year. But we're like, well, you could have season three and then season four kind of goes partway through the year. So that's what we decided to do. We're like, we're going to stick to 26 episodes. Interesting. Yeah, I guess it was... that must um, stem from TV shows when they have their new season. It's like a yearly thing. Um, right. With... I, th- I think in those terms, right? I think in television and film mm-hmm. because that's my the industry I work in. So the question that comes to mind is, how did you do on your dissertation? Did the professor appreciate what you brought to light? Uh, yeah, I actually did. Uh a lot better than I was um, expecting. Um, I got, um, hang on, again, I'll have to. I'll oh, have to you find. don't have to, if you don't feel comfortable telling us your grade, <laughs> I, that's fine. I, know, I, I do, I just can't remember exactly what it is and I don't want don't to say I did better than I did. Uh, yeah, so I actually did a lot better than I was expecting. Um, I'd gotten a few uh, firsts, which if you're not familiar with, um, university grading is like 70 out of 100 um but I actually managed to get 80 on my dissertation which was more than I could have ever dreamed of getting um I'd spent so so long on it um I started it back in a whole year before it was due um I know a lot of my friends didn't start until sort of a couple of months a couple of weeks before it was due um and I really had put my heart and soul into it. Um, so I was so, so happy um, to come out with the best grade I'd ever got um, because I really did feel like I'd earned it, um, which was a really, really nice feeling. Um, so, yeah, that was really, really nice to know that my all the hours I spent on it were worth it in the end. Congratulations, Anna. That's That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Thank you. So here's another question, always in the vein of reading. How many books do you read a year, Amy? And do you set a goal for yourself with regards to reading? Because I know you're pretty prolific from your Facebook or from your social media. I see that you're constantly reading uh, various books and, and things for your own entertainment and interest. Yeah, so I use uh, Goodreads, um, which... I'm not a massive panel, uh, but it's the best there is out there at the minute for me to use. Um, and last year, I set myself a goal of 20 books. Um, I set it against 20 this year, and I have beaten it quite a lot. I'm currently on my 51st book of the year. Um, oh, my goodness. That's a book a week. <laughs> That's almost yeah. a book a week. I, I'm very lucky in that um, for my degree, I had to do a lot of reading. Um, so whenever we got we got told you could read this book I often read it um so that's helped me to read books that I wouldn't necessarily have read the book I'm reading at the minute um actually got mentioned to me in a lecture back in January um and I had my eye on it but I read I didn't have time to read it at the time um and back in April May time in the UK it was really really sunny for a few weeks um so I had a lot of time to just lay outside in the sun and read some books and at that point, I was getting through like a book every two days or so. Um, now that I'm a bit more busy, um, I'm getting through about a book a week. Um, but my goal for this year is 52, which I'm almost at. So um, hopefully, hopefully I'll do that. 
yeah it is it's a lot of books but I've had a lot of time this year to read so so you're a fast reader too then I would say yeah I mean last year I read 25 books uh, which is like a book every two weeks um but once I once I get into it I can normally if I have like days of doing nothing I can get it read in like two days um but at the minute I'm sort of having to find pockets of time when I can to sit down and read of your 51 books that you've read thus far (laughs) and we haven't gotten to the end of the year which has been your surprise favorite um I've recently finished The Flat Share uh by Beth O'Leary which is a bit of a a chick lit sort of book um I thought it was going to be really cheesy and uh, very sort of lovey, um, but I actually really enjoyed it. And there was a bit of an underlying storyline that um, was a bit more serious. Um, and yeah, it was it was actually really, really good. And I've recommended it to everyone I know. And a few people have read it and said they loved it as well. So, um, yeah, I think it came out like last year and it's been quite a big book uh, here in the UK. So. Yeah, Sorry, the, the name of the book again? Uh, the Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. So maybe we'll we'll tag Beth O'Leary on um, on our social media with regards to this episode. And she'll be yeah. like, what is this about? Why am I being singled out here? Um, Amy, it's been quite a pleasure speaking with you uh, for an episode of the Insomnia Project. Yeah, thank you. This has been so exciting for me. Um, I found this podcast uh, last year um, when I was struggling to sleep um, and it's so weird that I'm now um, recording an episode with you um, so thank you so much for having me it, it means a lot Amy I hope to record more episodes if you enjoyed this you let me know and we'll get you on more regularly because this would be great um, even just to have a different voice than just my North American Canadian <laughs> accent on here which I'm sure drives some of our listeners crazy yeah that would be brilliant great well thank you so much and thank you to you our listeners um we're gonna have some holidays holiday episodes coming up uh in the near future if there's a holiday topic you would like us to talk about please let amy and myself know through any of our social medias which you can find on our show notes or just type in the insomnia project and see what comes up Until then, we hope you were able to listen and sleep.